Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. Good morning, guests. Glad that you're here with us today. Let's pray. God, may there be just uh, brutal honesty and, and love in this place this morning. And I ask that you'd give me tremendous wisdom and strength for brutal honesty as we dive into the things that really drive this community. And God, for some of us, this will be a very painful time. For others, they will need to be comforted. And we need to be reminded that we're okay. We need to be reminded that this is the kind of community where we can talk about exactly how things are, as ugly, painful, or beautiful as that may be. So give me wisdom that my brothers and sisters will see why I should share all this stuff. And most of all, we just want it to be about you and not about us. We want this church to be incredibly compelling so that the people in our community will know you. And so then they would come and be a part of us. And in this lesson, I pray that you would move. Amen. Video team, this TV has a volume that's on and it's driving me crazy. So if anybody who has a remote, because we don't have knobs anymore, and I'm paralyzed, can we get this TV turned off on the volume? Or if somebody here, if you guys can figure out where the volume is, I'd really appreciate it. But I just got my words are coming, 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 coming. <sighs> okay, so last week at the end of the gathering, I need to say this, we took up a resurrection offering for Lighthouse Mission. And uh, I Facebooked their representative and sent a little message and I said, look, I'd like to meet with you. And uh, we arranged a meeting on Friday and she came walking into my office on Friday and she, her name is Jalen Johnson. She's in charge of the donors and... Uh, is it fixed? It's fixed. Thank you. Oh, I love you. <laughs> you almost got a hug. Anyway, uh, and so she didn't know what the meeting was about. And, you know, I said, just, just come and we'll talk when you get here. And uh, I had the opportunity to actually present an envelope because we took up an offering. And I gave her the envelope, and she looked at it, and she starts to cry. And I go, this is a gift uh, from us. I, I explained what we did last Sunday, and I said, go to, the, go, to, um, go to our podcast. You can watch it. You can see how we built it up. You can see that um, I just really felt that God was speaking to us, and that you know, through Steve Paulson, who was in charge of another you know, uh, non-for-profit ministry, he suggested that we... Not suggested that your ministry needs it the most and, yeah, and so we took up an offering and she takes the envelope opens it up and uh, begins to do what I'm doing and you know what it's easier to talk about sex, masturbation, adultery and everything else than what I'm going to be talking about today so just about transparency there we are, welcome to Soul Sanctuary especially if you're new here And she opens up, she begins to cry. It says to me that this is an answer to prayer. By the way, you graciously gave $6,500 like that. Yeah, that's, that's a celebration. 
Oh, yay, we gave. No, you don't understand. You participated in making a difference in somebody's life. You, because of your faithfulness to those who gave. Actually, you've got to think about this. You have not only made a difference in somebody's life, you have been used by God, and hear me very clearly, to a very specific answer to prayer. Thank you. I don't think we see that. I don't think we embrace that. I don't think we understand that. And so today I'm changing things up for a little bit for the next couple of weeks. We're stepping away from Matthew for a moment to have a family talk. Do you know of which I speak? That's when the rents call the kids down and, uh, you know, for a talk. But everybody knows that the talk is actually one-sided. So that's what I'm talking about today, all right? You with me? Ephesians 4.11, it says that Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so obviously Christ gives different kinds of leaders. They have different functions. And so Jesus gave these certain leaders who do certain things. And he gives them to equip his people for works of service. The word service is diakonon. It's where we get um, the word ministry from. So that the body of Christ may be what? Built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the goal of the church is that it would be the flesh and blood of Jesus on earth so that you and I would actually become the hands and feet of Jesus. So that you and I would live, that we would move, that we would act, that we would speak, that we would be used by the Spirit to heal the world that Jesus has placed us in and that we begin to do the things that Jesus would do if he was here. We are his ambassadors. He works through us. And so the goal of the church, the church is not a building, but the goal of the church, the people, is to become the presence of Jesus on earth. And to do this, Jesus has given the church these certain people, these roles, these um, um, giftings uh, for individuals who can fulfill certain leadership roles. You with me? You tracking? Now, the goal of these teachers is to equip, train, and prepare his people, and it's all people, to do the works of service in the ministry. Now, somebody who doesn't, or somebody who does the work of the ministry, what do we call them? It's not a trick question. What do we call the people who do the work of the ministry? Ministers, thank you. Thank you very much. Now, so the leaders in the church, their job isn't just doing the work of the ministry. Their job is to teach, to equip, to train, to prepare the people to do the work so that the church itself, the body, in this process is built up. So Peter refers to every Christian in, in the New Testament as a priest. So we are part of a royal priesthood, all of us. Uh, the leaders of the church, their job isn't the ministry per se. It's teaching, it's equipping, it's training, it's preparing the people to do the work so that, again, the church will be built up. So that there's not these types of people over here who are very special and they are in ministry. And then there's everybody else who isn't. The work of the pastor, the work of the teacher, the leader is to train, to equip ministers to be the best possible ministers wherever they find themselves. So understand that you are a minister. You with me? You tracking? As a believer, you are a minister. And everybody said yes or no if they understand. Yes. 
Thank you. Awesome. We understand. So you're a minister at home. You're a minister at school. You're a minister at work. You're a minister on the street. You're a minister in your apartment complex, at your cubicle at work. You're a minister. And the job of the church, my job, when I come here on a Sunday is to teach, not just Sunday, school of ministry. Everything else we do is to teach, train, equip, prepare you to be the best possible minister wherever you find yourself. And if you made Seoul your home, and I understand we have some gifts, 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 guests. English is not my first language. We have guests here today, and you have been more endowed into an open and transparent family talk than I have ever given before, but here it is. Seoul's your home, and you've been coming here, and you're, if you're not a better minister now than when you first walked in, if you're not more mature more like Jesus, full of more knowledge of wisdom and the understanding of the scriptures. If, since you've come in here and have a part of this community and you're not more self, selfless, more sacrificial, more interested and open to blessing other people, then you know what? Then we failed. And to be really honest, then I have failed. And I failed you and I apologize. And it's just water. Everybody keeps bringing up that faux pas I said about pastors and alcoholism. It's water. A church as a whole group of people who have committed to being trained, equipped, and to being the kinds of people who are ministers in the world is what we are to be. And so if we are not doing that, then honestly we have failed. Because if you think about it, what is actually more effective? To hire somebody to do this kind of work or to hire somebody to train other people from two to four to six to eight to hundreds of other people to be ministers. So why are we talking about this, Jerry? Well, I think that that's a, a really good question. It's the time of year that we could sort of give a breakdown of where our money is spent and how it is being spent. And my plan today is to share with you the community of Seoul some financial information and how it's being spent and the plans for the future. And so we need to share this today so that I can bring absolutely everybody in on what's going on. And I need to be open and honest. I need to be exactly straightforward with everybody. Every month, nine people get together, they talk, they plan, and make allowances for how we use the money that is received here at Seoul Sanctuary. And uh, these nine people, we call them our steering committee. Um, if you're not familiar with that term, another term would be our board. It's made up of uh, nine people. The first one is John Evans. He's actually the one uh, you know, with the short hair. Um, we have Min Lee. Uh, Min is the one not in the dress. And uh, we have Jake Peters. Uh, Jake is uh, the taller one, just saying, just in case. We have Adette Fernandez. Uh, unfortunately, her and Dwayne are Green Bay Packer fans, and I had to just throw that out there. But we also have Deb Robinson, and Deb and Paul are uh, on the beach of Mexico. I back up. There we go. There's Deb. We have Tamara Kreiker uh, as well. Um, and uh, if you want to, uh, if you're single and you're looking for Tamara, this is my plug here. <laughs> she is fantastic, a woman of God and wisdom, but you have to go through me first. 
And then we have uh, Ryan Sneath, who uh, works at the city of Winnipeg, and his brood uh, of family there. So uh, these are, um, and then the next one is Steve Beal, and Steve is our, our treasurer. Uh, he's with a friend there in the picture. And uh, he uh, has said to me that uh, we have an official financial audit if you're interested, but we do not get that until about June. So uh, we have been audited by the CRA, everything came back, we got the report this last week, you know, other than a few little housekeeping details, they were happy, we were happy, but the, the fiscal report being audited will be available in June. And then finally we have uh, Cliff Dirksen, and he sits uh, with us as well, he is our prayer, our supporter, and uh, they, of course, they have elected me here to do the speaking this Sunday of what's going on. And so what I want to do today is I actually want to walk through and be completely straightforward, honest as possible, and as clear as possible as to where the money for Soul Sanctuary goes. Are you with me? Awesome. Now, although we're talking about the subject of money, without question, this will lead to us to bigger discussions of far deeper things. And, you know, the first thing we celebrated is the $6,500 we gave last week, which I think is absolutely fantastic, and it melts my heart when people sit in my office and cry. But you got to think about what we've done just within the last year. We have celebrated over $70,000 of uh, our Jamaica mission experience going overseas with our young people. We've celebrated raising $33,000 for Russia and having another donor match that number. Okay, so I need to point out <clears throat> that our flights, uh, of course, I've been to Russia quite a bit. Some of people, you see that. I throw everything out on Facebook. You can read my dirty laundry. It's there. My flights, our flights to Russia over the last year were covered by a generous donor who has a passion for ministry. So, you know, just think about it. As a church, we've invested this crazy amount of coin into ministry. You with me? Are you happy about that? Are you going to celebrate? Are we going to be Manitobans and just sort of, or, 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 like... This is exciting. Now, we started the church in 2004, and we, you know, we actually set out, and Sharon and I, when we started, we said, uh, just this stops me from choking up. We, we basically structured our financial life so that in six months, we actually didn't expect that we'd be able to draw a salary from a church plant. And so this is how we structured our finances with that anticipation that after six months, I wouldn't be getting paid. We've never had to worry about it. It's been incredibly faithful. And so we started that in 2004. We took ownership of this building. And I still remember the breaking of the ground in, in, in 2014. And, and at the point that we actually came in and we took, we began to build in our budget a financial cushion because we knew that if we depended on what was coming in financially for us as a church, listen to me very carefully, we would not be able to make our bills. So we took $300,000 uh, and we budgeted that this would be a cushion over the next few years, starting in 2014, to assist Soul Sanctuary in reaching our financial goals and being tempted. Because the expenditures on the facility were so much. We had $3 million down just uh, for the purchase of the property. If you know our story, we didn't buy this property. We had to trade stuff, and in order to get it, uh, there was still some extra money that we had to cough up. That's why you have a wonderful parking lot, and when you're walking in and it's not raining and you're not bringing dirt in and stuff like that. So th there was all this extra money. So our mortgage is about, I think, 3.2, if I remember correctly, million dollars, although we only paid three. So we took this $300,000 of cash, and we were going to use it to cushion us. In other words, we prepared our budget to lose money. Are you with me? Do you understand that? Okay. So 
Then we set out our goals. And so if we have this cushion under Soul Sanctuary, we can then set our goals and reach our goals. And those goals were to be, we needed to grow this community by 10% of people in finances per year. And so that took, and as that took place, then we would simply dip into our safety fund, but have that spread over as many years as possible until we'd break even without, without any help. We'd just be up and running and not worry about it. So that's been part of our budget for the last three years. So now we've moved into the facility, the plan was to have this church grow. And listen, the church has been growing numerically. And it should also grow financially. And so that's our job. All of our job, not just the paid professionals, not just the pastors, but all of our job. Nine simple words. Would you like to come to church with me? I have a story. Can I tell you about Jesus? It's all of our job. And so... Uh, you know, here we go. Over the last three years, our attendance and general income has grown. So in 2014, we took in $590,000. 2015, we took in $652,000. 2016, we took in $708,000. What do you see there? Growth. Yeah, money, yeah. I see money. <laughs> so let me give you a breakdown on how that money is spent. The first thing you need to understand is that when you give... When you give to the general fund and you just put it in the joy basket, or if you do it online, you do it whatever, when you give, 25% of what you give goes to missions. Unapologetically. That does not include Russia, Jamaica, Indonesia, Helping Hands in Africa, Home of the Good Shepherd in Brazil, our Syrian Refugee Fund, by the way, which we have enough for another candidate who's in queue and we're just waiting for the government to bring them over. We have a whole host of other missions commitments that we value and we make it a priority of supporting them. When you give an offering, it's important for you to know that we also have bills to pay. So here are our bills. Our mortgage is $20,100 a month. Can you imagine that? Gosh, I think it's a 20-year amortization. Am I right, Steve? Yeah, okay, so... Uh, our taxes, every month, $2,500. Our utilities, on average, every month, $3,000. That's the cost of this facility. That's just to get, keep us running. That doesn't include paint. That doesn't include, you know, if something breaks, fixing it. We're having problems with our lights here in the gyms, and we're, we're having problems with our lights here in the gym. 40% of our gross, 40% of the gross that comes in, and the intake in the general fund goes to salaries of the church. Uh, we have seven full-time people here at Soul Sanctuary. We have 12 part-time casual labor as well, all added up. The assumption is that we need to have staff in order... Uh, uh, our assumption is that staff needs to have their job in order to teach, to train, to encourage the body to do the work ministry, as well as to run this facility because we do market it outside. Out of what's left over, we also have... We have to go into our ministry budgets, we have to go into our obligations, we have to go into kids and youth operations and community outreach and everything else and the like. So obviously I was doing some research and, and trying to figure out what churches pay their staff. And the average ratio of staff to congregation, this is the average ratio right across North America, is that you would have one staff member for every 72 people. Which means that if we were to practice that ratio here at Soul Sanctuary, technically we should have 10 full-time staff members. We don't. But if we were to practice that ratio, that's what we should have for a church size. So, if you want to say it, we're understaffed. 
a number of churches in Winnipeg, because I've been able to go to the CRA website and do a little bit of homework myself, their budgets for staff range anywhere from 40 to over 70% of their general budget, and some as high as 80. I think the, the, the highest comparable church our size, their, their staff ratio, but their, yeah, their staff uh, budget compared to the general revenue coming in was 74%. It's pretty high. We're 40 so I need to talk openly and honestly, and if you are to study our salaries, to be really honest, you would quickly discover that the staff here at Soul Sanctuary are paid much, much less than the lowest average in Winnipeg and a church our size. You know, you just need to ask former staff members, right, Joanne? Right, Caitlin? There's others here on staff, former staff members. It's not like there's this chunk of money that's endorsing high living. We are lean and mean here at Soul Sanctuary, if I could put it that way. Oh, so Jerry, why don't we talk about money that much? Now, if you've been here over the past 13 years or so, you haven't heard many sermons about giving money. A few, especially just lately, but not many. We haven't given a whole lot of servants. You need to give your money. We haven't done a lot of thermometer. Hey, let's do the fundraiser. You know, we... Uh, we, we have done what I did last week. We said, here's a need. Fill it if God is speaking to you. No pressure. And so one of the chief reasons I haven't talked about money is because of 1-800-BIG-HAIR and the stuff that our culture really talks about. And for so many of us, the church has viewed, the church is sort of viewed as this money hungry, put your hand on the TV set, send in your money, God will bless you. I'll send you a handkerchief and a real piece of the cross. And for so many people, the church and money is so intertwined and it's so distorted. It's perverted. It's a perverted mix. And one of the reasons I haven't talked much about it is, is in reaction to the abuses that other church leaders, who, you know, who hit people over the heads of, about how much money they're to give. And then people walk away thinking, you know, listen, all the church really wants is your money. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All of you. <laughs> Right? Some of you are thinking that right now, which is beautiful. I love it. Thank you. And so I've come to the conclusion that it's destructive when you allow the abusers of others to affect you in such a way that you don't even want to talk about it. That's my weakness. And, and so if we live in this reaction that we don't want to be, it's not a good compass. It's not a good way to live. You know, I don't want to be like that, so I'm not going to talk about it. So today, I have to shoot straight. The second reason I don't talk about it all that much is that, and, and honest, this is, I, I kid you not. When we started Seoul, I had this wild-eyed innocence. And I was under the assumption that if we had a vibrant community of believers, and it was clear that the Spirit of God was alive and well and working in their midst. And you had these people becoming followers of Christ, simplifying their lives, giving themselves away, knowing what it means to be a Christian, people being honest about their past, overcoming their addictions and all their other stuff, and getting close to God, and reading the Scriptures and being immersed in the Word, then the money would just kind of take care of itself. Supertramp does a song called Dreamer. Now it's going to be stuck in some of your heads all the way home. It's either that or the one that Jesse sang. It's all about you. 
So when we started, so I'm, I'm a firm believer that if I just taught, and honestly, if I just taught, if I just encouraged, if I just empowered people to live it, the transformed life, if they were disciples and they began to get into the scriptures, then it would make sense that people would just naturally want to give and the money thing will follow and would actually take care of itself. And it was for the longest of times. And so this is why at Seoul we began with the joy baskets at the back. And, and, uh, and we didn't and never want people to be pressured to give. We just wanted people to let God work on them and let their generosity just flow and uh, re rely on faith that God will provide. This week, Wednesday, I take my mom and I, um, every Wednesday she, she goes to a, a lunch, a uh, breakfast, and meets with a bunch of uh, other seniors. And uh, I went to go pick her up, and one of the guys sitting around the table stops me, and he says, and this is how the conversation went, he goes, Jerry, Yes, and it's funny because they're all deaf, and uh, they're yelling. <laughs> it's supposed to be a conversation, but they're really hard of hearing and yelling at each other. And, uh, Jay, I hear you don't take up an offering at Soul Sanctuary. Right in the middle of Canada, and so I'm going, <laughs> advertising. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, it means we don't pass a plate. I know what he was saying. To which I said, that is correct. <laughs> you know, we have two joy baskets at the back of the auditorium that greet you when you walk into the auditorium. And he looked at me and he said this, man, that takes a lot of faith. You're telling me. And that's exactly my response to him. You're telling me. 2 Corinthians 9. This is where we get this idea of the joy box from. Now, there is a verse that says, Thou shalt create and enforce joy box. Giving is found in 3 Dalmatians 9.7. I'm sure you can find it in your Bible when you get there. <laughs> so you guys got to love this little setup I did here because you're hilarious. Um... It's 2 Corinthians 9. It's pretty powerful teaching. It's actually almost, when you read it in the scriptures, it's almost a command. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, in the Greek word, that's where we get the word. The cheerful there is hilarion. Okay, that's where we get our word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver, hence joy baskets. And I would love just for once that whenever I use the word joy basket, people would go, woohoo! Yes, thank you. At least the youth are getting it. And so scripture is very clear. Decide in your heart what you're going to give before you show up. It's funny because when I was doing this whole thing with the lighthouse, I decided in my heart what I was going to give. And I had my check prepared. I had it written. I already had it put in the envelope because I prepared myself. And so I look at, you know, this passage of scripture. So we, you know, decide in our heart what we give before you show up. And, and it says that the giving of your money is not just an intellectual exercise in which the money, you know, you give money to God and we do it just to get God off our back, right? We don't give reluctantly to say, oh, okay, I'll just give so the preacher's going to shut up. Or we don't give under compulsion. Oh, I owe God. How many times have we said that? Oh, I owe my tithe. I don't know if you've ever heard that expression. I've heard that a few times. 
But maybe, maybe I can just today bring up a teenager with me on stage. And what I'm going to do under compulsion is I'm going to continue to pinch Yuri until you guys give more and more. And it doesn't matter how much tears come. <laughs> so what, what Paul is saying is that giving is something that we do from the heart because you want it and you can imagine nothing better. It's freedom. It's joy. It's love. It's something that we prepare ourselves to do when we come to worship. God says if that you are under reluctance or if you're under compulsion, then, then don't. As a matter of fact, you should keep it. That's why we don't pass the plate. We don't want you to feel pressure. Because God loves those, if you think about it, who gives. This is the scripture because they love it and that they want to give. And if this teaching at any point brings guilt to you today, then you have actually missed it completely. Giving and the giving of your money is never about guilt. you got to hear me loud and clear. It's all about joy and freedom. How many of you ever thought that somebody would be sitting in my office after you gave 5, 10, 20, I don't know what you gave to Lighthouse Missions, but how many of you ever thought that you would see somebody break down in tears because of what you gave? That's joy. That's freedom. And so God says, if you're given under reluctance or compulsion, don't. Just keep it. And so, the, again, this is why we have our joy baskets in the back. And this is why they greet you. Thank you. <laughs> and this is why they greet you when you walk in. And it drives me crazy when sometimes they put the baskets onto the side so that, uh, you know, oh, it's going to clog people. I want it to hit you in the face. It's either that or I bring out an offering plate. I want you to, that's the first thing as believers that should greet us. That we have come to worship together and to giving of ourselves is part of this worship experience. And so it meets us right when we walk in. And, uh, you know, again, you only give if you want, and it brings you nothing but joy. And then, you know, your giving, hear me very carefully, is between you and God, so go for it. You know, we don't want to be the kind of church here that pounds you on the head and says that you need to give, you need to give. But I want to give you some numbers this morning. The average yearly giving per attendee in church is on average, okay, so if you want to figure out the size of a church, you want to figure out roughly their budget. Now again, depending on where they are and where they live, if they're up north or if they're in like Ontario, BC, the average is, and I'll use uh, for, let's say your church has 500 people, your average for your budget on average should be $500,000. So basically what you do is you add up everybody in the congregation, you know, from babies right up to seniors, and you times it by 1,000. So your budget on average, the way it works out, is about $500,000. In our community here, we have 46 people, or units. I'm going to use the word people, but units, and I need to say that because it's possible that these numbers that I give you, like 46 people, if you have unit in your mind, it could represent either an individual or it can represent a family. Again, um, I'm not sure because I don't, know, I don't know the details of your giving. You with me? I can't put a name and number together. You with me? But I can be given numbers that will help you understand where we are financially. So 46 people in our community gave anywhere from $1,000 to $2,000 $1, in 2016. Again, don't worry, I don't know your names. That's just fine. I'm just giving you the hard figures. Last year in our general fund offerings alone, like I said earlier, we had $708,000 that came in. Now, 
there were over a hundred people who come, came to this community and they gave less than $1,000. So they got a tax receipt at the end of the year, it was less than $1,000 in 2016, over a hundred. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand? Okay, thank you. 30 people gave between 2,000 to 3,000. 11 people gave between 3,000 and 4,000. Nine people gave between 4,000 and 5,000, which basically totals to about 175,000 came in from the, all of those numbers that I just gave you. It's a lot of money, but not a lot of people, right? So, there were 19 people in our community who gave between 5,000 and 7,000. There are 11 people in our community who gave between 7,000 and 8,000. There were 11 people who in our community who gave between 8,000 and 10,000. There were 14 people who gave more than 10,000 and up. And that's a total of approximately $460,000. So, out of approximately 350 receipts gone out, givers, 55 people if, I'm, if my figures are right, 36% of the givers are carrying 64% of the budget. Um, maybe you've heard about the 80-20 rule called the uh, Pareto Principle. It, it states that 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. We are actually a little bit better than this, this rule. So what this rule says is that in a lot of uh, churches, for say, that 80% of the people do... Oh, sorry, 20% of the people give 80% of the giving, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's not necessarily like that here. So here we are today. A year-end appears to be really good at the end of 2016. We had to go into our cushion as planned, because that's what we budgeted to get through the 2016. But our attendance was growing. There was an increase in our general offering, again, of over 9%. We were tracking. However, there was also, because of our, our uh, rentals have dramatically gone up, there was a dramatic increase in all of our custodial labor. And with that is an increase with all the other stuff that goes along with that. I got a cough. <coughs> so, and uh, of course, every time we need to rent out our facility, we need people to come in, clean, keep things up, keep things down, everything. That's what we do. And so, um, and it's not big bucks, right? You know, some of you guys <laughs> are custodians at 11 bucks an hour, raking it in. Um, but I'm incredibly grateful for the people that can give up their time and they come and they do this hard labor. And so it's interesting, for years we've been trying to track our giving and our giving is not constant for the most part. It actually, the giving of Soul Sanctuary, and I, 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 we hear it all the time, we can't figure out, we can't track our giving because it comes in, in bursts. And so we were tracking our finances in these last three months, January, February, and March, and we started getting concerned after January, but then we thought, you know what, we'll wait for the burst to come. Well, we'll wait till February. Well, we'll wait for March. And so January of last year, we took in $84,000. February of 2016, we took in $40,000. March, uh, we took in $47,000. So year to date, last year at this time, we had $172,000. We were making happen, but next slide. January to March of 2017, look at the numbers. January was $50,000, February was $33,000, March is $27,000. Year to date, 100, 
and $11,000, all of a sudden we have had this unbelievable shortfall of $61,000 in just three months over the same period last year. And yet when I look around, it, it appears to me and many other people, it's like nothing has changed. And so we have to start asking some serious questions. Is it because our mission giving is getting our attention and instead of giving to them the general fund, which covers the general operations of the church, are we simply redirecting our giving or is it going to something else completely? Or are we just not giving? Because we're tracking our attendance and our, our average of attendance is over 500 people on a Sunday. So you calculate that the average attender comes maybe two times a month. That's seriously what's going on here. It would be safe to say that maybe our community is about 750 people strong. So why the drop in giving? We don't know. We, we Honestly, I stand here dumbfounded before you going, I, I don't know, and um, I need to bring it to your attention. So in the past, when we didn't have a building, many people actually gave to the building fund. Once we moved into the building here in 2014, what we noticed over these last three years from 2014, that the building fund giving is down 92%. So this is interpreted to me, this is just me speaking as I interpret the numbers that came before me, as soon as we opened the doors of this facility, this beautiful facility that God has given us, People literally stop giving to a building fund as to say, well, you know, hey, we're here now, and it's no biggie. Or my favorite, my personal favorite that I hear, Soul Sanctuary's got money. That's not how it works. And what you don't understand, maybe what you don't see, is that every week I entertain in my office, on the phone, through emails, Numerous requests, every week, requests from people and organizations asking for our help because Soul Sanctuary has money. You know, I look at what we have here and I acknowledge that we receive this land that this facility is on as a gift. And I, not a gift from man, I see it was a gift from God. We see this building as a gift from God. We invested our three million into our initial purchase, plus some extra, and, 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 and what we have now is a replacement value, if you think about it, of over $10 million. That's an incredible investment. But it's a gift from God. And I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has opened these doors and that he has brought us to this place. I would love for us to pay off this building so that we owe nothing and I dream of a Sunday where we, maybe we do an offering where everybody came forward and they gave to pay off the building. In December, the steering committee, we met and we began to talk about maybe we need to do a big, huge gala fundraiser to reduce the debt, celebrating. Let's do a dinner and a dance and just make, let's pay down the debt. Why? So that we can be debt-free and do ministry and give away money. That's the purpose of the church is to give away 80% of what comes in. We don't sit here and hoard it for ourselves. But never did we think, as we sat around the room, that we would ever be in this financial position. And so my idealistic idea that all I have to do is call people to obedience and following Jesus, then people would, would get it. I have to be really honest. I have been shaken to the core. Saying to Sharon today, I have a routine I go through. Every morning, maybe you follow me on Facebook, whatever, I always post my prayers. And, 
you know, I find different resources from all over the place. And this one on doubt just stood out because we talked about doubt last week. And, you know, I'm, I'm, it's where your pastor's at. And then there's a song by Daigle. I can't remember her first name. It's called Trust in You, and it's running through my head. And Okay, I got to trust in God. Okay, I got that. But in order for God to work, he has to use people. <laughs> and that's where the doubt comes in. And so you struggle with what's going on here. And we found ourselves in a very interesting reality in which we have an absolutely dismal report on giving. And I'm not sure what to do, whether to laugh or cry. I'm not sure. I, and I hear it from my leaders as they pour. Maybe God is about to do something crazy. You know, you don't know. And I said to you a few weeks ago, this has been the hardest time of my ministry. This has nothing to do with it. That's the crazy stuff. And I'm just going like, where is the perfect storm coming from? So listen to me. There isn't a rush that we need to get $100,000 in the next 10 minutes or Yuri's going to be black and blue from all my pinching. Nor am I going to do some outrageous Oral Roberts claim of emotional blackmail where he said, stated in the fundraising letter appeal on television that unless he raises a total of $8 million above regular ministry expense by next month, God's going to kill him. Thinking about it, I'm not sure it's going to be convincing. I want to put it this way. I want you to hear me loud and clear. There's no emergency, but we're in a serious position. And I'm not going to try to make this like you guys got to chip in right now. No, I believe this, this brings us to a point, actually, where I want to talk about deeper issues. Every time I go out to Costco, Walmart, walking downtown, just even in our area, people will stop me. They'll say how they've heard about our community, how they love our community. They tell me stories of people who tend here, how those people's lives have been absolutely transformed, and they talk about soul with a passion, and others of you talk with conviction about how great community we have, and yet, when I look at the final, we're, we're just not giving. And I need to explore why is that. Now again, I want to just say that this is not, this is not, about guilt. This, this giving is about joy. It's, uh, if, if it's about guilt, then listen, you're going to miss this whole Sunday completely and you'll probably never come back again. And there are a couple of things that face us right now. And a fiscal year and is one of them. And the next thing that's facing us is that we're going into the summertime, which means people go on holidays or they live at the lake. And our rentals of the facility over the next four months are actually down to a minimum. I think we got two, possibly four max. So we're looking at the budget. And for the next few months and, and what we can and cannot spend money on. And to be honest, we can't spend money. So we have creative, creative people here who are on staff that have plans and dreams and they want to have a budget to accomplish what we need to do. But, you know, if we're not making the budget right now, it prevents them from doing anything. And so our steering committee, who, again, a team of people who, who sit, they are experts, in my opinion, in business and financing and the like. They meet once a month. We go through all the numbers and we come to the same conclusion and we're presented with very little choice. That we need to shrink the budget, we need to scale back, we need to do some cuts, and we have. And maybe we misunderstood the numbers and maybe, maybe we just sort of ran ahead of ourselves and we saw this growth happening and we're preparing for growth and, and maybe we did that and so maybe we put the cart before the horse but we now have to cut back and make it easier and allow the giving numbers to be what they really are. Or do we go for it? It's 
because when has the soul sanctuary community, when presented with a need, hasn't stepped up? Russia, Jamaica, last week, Lighthouse, Living Word Temple, Hampers, Clothing, Canned Food, the list can go on and on and on. And it always comes back to me that we have a very generous community. Now, I don't know where you are on that, but I know where I am on that. And I, I want to address a deeper issue, what I believe is going on here. Luke 18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And why do you call me good? And there's a whole bunch of dynamic that's actually going on here, just in that little exchange. And Jesus says, no one is good except for God alone. And he goes, you know the commandments. Now Jesus begins to rattle off the Ten Commandments to this guy. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false witness. Honest your father and your mother. And so you can't miss what Jesus is actually doing here. The first four of the Ten Commandments deals with our relationship with God. The next six deal with our relationship with each other. Notice Jesus gives this list to the guy. He gives the list regarding the relationship that we have with one another. He leaves out, though, interesting enough, he leaves out the very last one. Do not covet. And coveting, if you don't know what that is, it's something that my wife and I used to do when we would drive to upper-class homes in other neighborhoods and drive through and look at their windows at night and go, covet, 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 covet. <laughs> Wishing you had something that you didn't of other people's. When you're not content, listen to me with what you have. And you're in bondage. We're not in bondage. It was just my example. You're peeping, Tom. You enjoyed looking in other people's windows. Remember that? I found it weird, but you know, strangely satisfying. <laughs> I'll be looking for a home after today. <laughs> so coveting is, is, not, is when you're not content with what you have and you're in bondage and you want what other people have and so you're not free, you're not content. And as a matter of fact, you're owned by the fact you want that and you want that and you want that and you want that and you can't get free of it and Jesus leaves us out. He leaves out coveting and so what does this what does he know about this guy becomes the question that we're asking and then it goes on to say the man replied I should say the liar replied all these I've kept since I was a boy. And when Jesus heard this he said to him you still lack one thing sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven then come follow me. Again Jesus knew that this guy's stuff owned him. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for somebody who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. This is not a condemnation about wealth. Nowhere do you find Jesus condemning people who are wealthy. In fact, it's very favorable. he says very favorable things about money and wealth throughout the scriptures. He calls people to use it for good. He calls people to be smart with it, to be skilled with it, to be shrewd with it. He calls people to use their wealth for the kingdom of God, for God's kinds of purposes. As a matter of fact, even in this place, Jesus doesn't tell the guy to give him the money. He says, give it away, then follow me. He doesn't condemn wealth. He, he has wealthy friends. When you read the scripture, a wealthy man provides Jesus' tomb. 
He's comfortable with wealth. He exhorts people to use it well. The passage is not telling everybody to sell all their stuff. He is talking to somebody specific and he zeroes in on the person's issue. And Jesus knows that this guy can give away his stuff. And until he does, he won't be free. Now, I always talk about our spiritual life as a journey. You hear that from me all the time. And we're all, we're all on this journey, but we're all at different places on the path, right? We're all at different stages. And throughout the scriptures, this, the idea of journey is a dominant metaphor of faith. So journey then implies that there's movement, be it forward or backward. And again, in, in scriptures, it's movement forward. So scripture is filled with growth metaphor, with change, with transformation, with moving forward. So faith is people on a journey. You with me? And so this journey then becomes a series of steps. And so Jesus meets this guy. He's at the right place. He's at this step in his journey. And he's calling the man, this interaction in Luke, he's calling the man into his next step in his spiritual journey. And basically saying, you know what, dude, you're tied up. You, you have some coveting issues. You, you think that you own your stuff, but your stuff really owns you. You're not free, so sell your stuff. Sell it and then follow me. And so Jesus invites him. It's interesting. He invites him to, to take the next step along the path. And Jesus then meets all us all where we're at. He meets you and meets, meets me, and he invites us to take the next step. He doesn't ask that we do long jump, but rather he says, just take the next step. And so maybe in your own personal walk, maybe you're a guest here today, and just even walking in through those doors, that's your next step. It's great. It's wonderful. That's a giant step. Welcome to the community. This is where you belong. Maybe some of you today are, are, are ready to acknowledge that there might, there might be a God. I'm agnostic and I'm struggling with it, but there might be a God. Great. Then maybe that's your next step. We're all on the path. So let's celebrate together this one step at a time that God's redemptive work is in action in people's lives. It's, it's also our faith in action, and it goes hand in hand. And God meets us where we're at. He invites us into the next step. And you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all nailed down. You can be really, really, really screwed up. And God meets you where you're at, and he loves you exactly as you are, and he invites you into this next step. Isn't that great? And so let's just focus on the next step. And I think this is how God works with us, and, and this is how he works in the stories of the scripture. He works with baby steps. Remember, I preached a message on baby steps a long time ago. I couldn't find it. I was looking for it. And he meets people where they're at, and he invites them into that next step. And that's what he's doing right now with each one of us. And he's speaking in our spirits, and he's inviting us into his next step. So here's my question to you. Aside of what I'm talking, what's your next step with God? What is God speaking to your heart? Now we have all kinds of people who call Soul Sanctuary their community. All kinds of people who are committed to soul, who, who actually come and they give freely and joyfully. And we have people who give their time, who give their talents, who give their treasures. We have a number of people, obviously I showed to you, who are committed financially to this local church and they give it. And maybe you've heard of this thing called a tithe. Now some people's the hair on the back of their neck stands up. You know, the giving of 10% of their income to Soul Sanctuary. And you know what, that's, that's a beautiful thing. You know, often in church circles, the, the giving of 10% is portrayed that that's the goal. That's the goal. 
which I want to argue with you <laughs> this morning is that's a nice start. But maybe you're thinking, Jerry, I don't know. You don't, you, you don't know me. You're like, you don't know me. You don't know my situation. You don't know my life. I'm a single parent. I just lost my job. I can't even pay food. Can't pay the rent bills. I can't give anything because, you know, I have huge debts and you're asking me to give 10%. Are you out of your mind? Let me just say this. Maybe the next step for you is not 10%, but rather it's for us getting, you and us getting connected with our Good Sense team to figure out how you can make a go of it and us helping you get out of debt. Maybe for you, the next step is to figure out how do I pay the bills, man? Maybe it's for us to just ask you to engage us in conversation and we're going to meet you where you're at. You know what? We don't want to burden you with 10%. We don't want to burden you with nothing. You know what? Rather, we want to gather around you as a church community, as our good sense team that we have here, led by Steve Beal, our steering committee. And we want to help you figure out how to make it so that you can pay your bills, so that you can get by okay. Maybe you have a huge credit card debt, and you're thinking 10%, you don't even know the debt I'm carrying around. Also, here's the next step. What are you going to do to get out of debt? How can we figure out that with you? And so maybe that next step isn't 10%. Maybe it's us helping you to figure out how you get out of debt. Maybe, there, maybe there's a, a giant five-year goal for some of you for 1%. Right? Baby steps. I'm cool with that. Does this make sense? I got the teen saying, yeah. You guys aren't carrying the debt. Your parents are. Your friends are. Everybody else here is carrying debts. But they're saying, yeah. <laughs> Baby steps. God meets us where we're at. And he invites us to take the next step. And it's the job of the pastors, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, to train, to equip. And that's our job. Now, we can't control your spending habits, but we can guide you and give you tools to help you. And guide you, if we can't help you, there's other organizations within our community that we can push you to. But our job is to help equip you. So maybe you're given 10% and there's a sense, well, hey, Jerry, you know, this life lesson doesn't apply to me because I give 10%. So I just say, well, what about 11? What's your next step? Could we talk about 12? If you can give 10, can you give 11? See, it's all about baby steps at this point in time. If if we could get to 11 or 12, you've got to think about it. That's another organization that we can support to make a difference in our world. In the scriptures, it's all about the next step. It's not a guilt or a legalistic you need to. It's about joy. We covered that already. Maybe you're at 2%. What does 3% look like for you? I'm not talking straight up go to 10% or more. No, but what does 3%? look like. You, you get your T4s, you get your donation receipts, you can do the math. Where do you stand? Oh, is it gross or net? Do I really care? You know, we have people in our community who give 10%, and that's a beautiful thing, so what's the next step for them? 
We have people in our community that have horrible debt and pressing financial situations. What is the next step for them? So let's take the next step for all of us and have no debt. Let's, let's get you free from that because it isn't about guilt. It's about joy and freedom. Is it not? Maybe you, you're here and you attend some other church or you some, attend some other ministry. I, can we talk? Because I haven't had this talk for a long time. We live in a sick culture, and it's a Christian culture. And it's where we want to consume Christ in all of his benefits. Now, that may sound healthy on the outset, but really it's not. So what we do in our Western culture is we hop to church to church because the 830 here has great music, but the 11 there service has this great preacher. And then on Saturday we go to that church because they got so-and-so speaking, and then we'll go there and we'll do this. And we have this ecclesiastical buffet, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and it's really messed up because honestly it really confuses the kingdom of God with them all. And what it confuses, and, and I have conversations with people, and they, they don't get it, but listen, from, from a pastoral perspective of when you're trying to guide people and train them and equip them, it confuses surrender, it confuses sacrifice, it confuses commitment, it confuses belonging and loyalty with goods and services that you consume whenever you feel like it, and wherever it suits your needs. And that is messed up. I find it so interesting in the scriptures that it talks about this behavior right after uh, what we just read in 2 Corinthians 6, and, and we never go to there, but it deals with it. So remember, Paul says, he writes, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God, for God loves a cheerful giver. So when I go to my house of worship, I'm going to give what I decide to give, then he continues, and it's beautiful when we no longer uh, then, so once you've decided and you're cheerful and everything else like that, we no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunningness and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part of it does work. Well, what's that say? Well, it says that giving and spiritual growth and maturity in one place go hand in hand. Isn't that interesting? So maybe some of you here have been burned at a church. Maybe you got kicked out. You know, maybe you're a pastor, former ministry leader who's been wounded. You're sitting here today to heal. Or you, you know, maybe you've come. And again, these are all people that have walked through our doors from a church split, and you're here, and you know, I'd be glad that you're here, and I'm glad that you're here to sit and to heal, and refuge, that's what refuge is all about. So welcome, we're glad that you're here, that's beautiful. And we want this place, we've always wanted this place to be a healing, restorative place, but pretty soon people need to move to that next step. And, and whatever that may be, I don't know, that's between you and God, but maybe you're just fine, maybe you're just enjoying the religious buffet. Maybe you're one of these people who goes from place to place, you know, and you don't tithe. Man, you don't even tip. Forget about the tithing. We can use your parking spot. And I don't want to come across as unkind. I think, though, but there's a point that we need to ask, where are we on the path? What is the next step in the journey of obedience and sacrifice and loyalty and then what, if I didn't call people to do this, I would be remiss. And maybe you're watching via Facebook Live. 
or you're, you're on our live stream, which is now growing quite interestingly. And enjoy, like even today, I got a text, we're watching from live, you know, we'll be, I'm sick, we're going to be watching live stream, and then I'm thinking, oh goodness, I'm talking to you! It's a joke. And so here we do, and, and we have people who now are tuning in from all over the world. And, and yes, it is a missions outreach of sorts. But for those watching via live stream, has it ever crossed your mind that we're providing for you? What we're providing for you actually costs money. You know, $8,000 of new equipment, to be exact, went into that room up there. There are people who watch us every week, and we know who you are. And so I speak to the people on live stream, you know, uh, on Facebook Live, if you're watching, can the next step in your journey, can you, as you watch what's going on here, can you help us out financially? So that we can keep the live stream going, because it does have a cost. You can, very easily. You're watching online, you can give online. You just go to our website. It's all laid out for you. It's that easy. And one of the things that we need to do here at Seoul is to re-educate, I believe, a whole generation of, of young people. And I go actually beyond the young people, and I think we have to re-educate a whole generation of people since the culture twists what the church is all about, makes us uh, afraid to talk about giving so that we've avoided talking about it altogether. So some of the things that we here at Soul Sanctuary need to do is we need to re-educate a generation on giving. We need to educate a re generation of people on what it means to serve, what it means to sacrifice, what it means to volunteer, what it means to be committed, what, what loyalty means, what belonging means. And maybe we need to start that today. You know, I can talk about giving, and I, I still remember the conversations I have with students in my ministry. I have no money, you know, of course, to which I'm thinking in the recesses of their mind, uh, did you just try the new unicorn thing at Starbucks? Like, you know, oh yeah, it was great, it's fantastic, but I have no money, all right? Why are you eating fast food all the time? You do have the money. But you know what? We're honestly scared to be committed to something. We are all honestly scared for sacrifice. And it's scary for all of us to throw ourselves into something and say no to all the other options. And so money gets that fear and securities and bondage. And maybe the question for you today is, are you a part of Soul Sanctuary? And are you a whole part or do you just take? Do you come and take and leave? And I need to say this. I actually believe that God has created you for more. That God has created you and I to, to take the next step in our redemptive journey to be a part of something big and great. And this is core to being a Christian. This is core, in my opinion, to being committed to the local church, whether it's this or somebody else's. This is central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and it's to be committed and to ask with our money, what can I do with what God has given me? God meets me where we are at, and he invites me into the next step. And maybe for those of you who have been burned by the church in general, maybe you feel even burned by soul here and you're still here today. Maybe you got involved here, you found out, hey, we're not perfect. You got hurt by somebody, you got hurt by a life group or somebody said something or a decision that was made was affected you personally and you're still here but you're bruised, you're wounded and, and you're not going to give because it's kind of a way of punishing us. You know, you're making some sort of statement to, about soul sanctuary that only you know about. And maybe you just feel that soul's too big. 
And you just feel lost in all these people. You don't know where you belong anymore. Maybe for you, the next step is to reclaim that wide-eyed, innocent dream that the local church can really change the world. The joy that a group of people fully committed to each other, fully committed to God, can really, really make a difference and change the world. That's a hard belief to arrive after you've spent any time within the walls of a church. You have a group of people in the church, we're all screwed up, all in one place. You go, all of us screw-ups, we come into one place. You realize that something's not right. Really? <laughs> but it's the perseverance for all these people who come together with a belief in God to say, hey, we're going to move ahead. And as you think it's easy for a person like me, you know what? You only see a tiny slice of what I see and experience firsthand. Do the math with me. If everybody who attended gave one extra dollar a week, $4 a month, which is the basic cost of a latte. Based on 75, uh, 750 people, that would be an extra 40000 If we just gave $1 a week, if we gave up one latte a month and literally put it in a joy basket, that's all, nothing more. That's forty grand. Can you imagine the blessings of the organization, like, like the lighthouse that we could do with that? That's a lot of help for a lot of people. And, and, and the, the fact is, is that we have a giant army of potential right here. Imagine what we can do. Well, I think we have to heal. I think we have to reclaim the dream that a group of people can somehow grow uh, to such a place that we can change the world. So maybe for you, the next step today is maybe... Yeah, you've not been giving out of some sort of sense, oh, you know, the church has got his act together, or look at Jerry, got his act together. Well, maybe you're part of us getting our act together. Maybe us getting our act together begins with each of us being honest about the next step. And maybe today you have decided to, to, to you know, you want to get some help to get out of debt. Or maybe today you're sitting here, you know, and you're giving 33% away of your income. Well, I know of somebody in our midst that their plan is to give 90%, and I will gladly introduce you to them. And he will love to talk your ear off about giving. Actually, I got a couple of them. <laughs> Maybe you're at 1%. Talk about two. Maybe you're a tipper. Let's just talk about regular tipping. Maybe you're the most cynical, jaded. All the church wants is my money. Yes. The church wants money. Because we want to set people free. And God teaches us that as we give in the process, that happens. Again, there's obligations as charity that we've got to give away 80%. You understand that? We've got to give away. That's the purpose. And so we come together unified with goals oriented. And, and as an army, we begin to focus and start giving away. 
And I believe that there's not a greater organization with more potential to change the world than the local church. And I personally believe, based on my study of scripture, my personal conviction, that the tithe belongs to the church, period. <clears throat> I believe with all my heart that Christians should be the most generous people on the planet, and it should be, be the first financially to support the worthy causes. And the church is the only organization that's been around for 2,000 years, and it's the only investment that, that will still be going on from today until eternity. And when the local church is working right, there's this nothing that's more powerful, there's nothing that's more breathtaking in the world, because it's a place where lost people are found, and found people grow to love Jesus more, and addicts are set free, and people who are excluded get included, and hopeless people find hope, and marriages are restored, and forgiveness is extended to other people, and God gets the glory for all of it. That's awesome. So as you leave here today, <clears throat> God meets each and every one of us where we are at. And he's prepared to meet us at the next place. So stand with me. As you walk out of this place today, I leave you with one question. What's your next step? Let's pray. God, as we awake each day, and the sun begins to rise and we face the starting of another day, we thank you for life. We, we, we thank you for the life that has been given. Our problems are first world problems, but we thank you for the people that we love so much and that love us in return. We thank you for breath, God. We thank you for health. We thank you for jobs. We thank you for careers. Even when our jobs and our careers drive us crazy, we thank you because you are our provider. And yet the riches of this life could never pass what we've been given with our families and our friends by our side who support us and love us in spite of our craziness. Thank you for the life that we've been given, and now it's up to us to use our full potential each day. And Father, it's really not about us. As much as we like to think that the sun rises and sets because we exist, it's not about us. We work for others, not, not because it makes us feel good about ourselves, but because that's what you said to do. So God, your hand has blessed us again and again. And in this nation of ours, we have gifts beyond understanding. And at the same time, many of us have debt that is just over our heads. So God, thank you for the gifts that you have blessed us with. And for some of us, we're able to return that blessing by giving back. And for those who feel weighed down by debt, I pray that you'll bring people into their lives that will help them work through the issue of debt and eventually see the light at the end of the tunnel so that they can be free of this debt that they carry. God, help us to be good stewards of what you entrust us with and make us a giving people that we may be faithful with our finances so that we can empower more people to do what is needed, not only in this city, but in this world. Because you've called your church to make a difference. Amen. And so in ancient times, one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing, one receiving the blessing did likewise. 
Next week I'm going to talk about counting stars, One Republic. We're going to have a boy band on stage. I'm so excited. May God give us light to guide us, courage to support us, love to unite us, now and always. Soul Sanctuary, go into the world in peace, to love and serve the Lord and figure out what your next step is. Amen. See you next week.